Kitchen Radio each Friday at 5pm. Hello, uh, welcome to Kitchen Radio. That was the go-between singing Cattle and Cane. Kitchen Radio is a regular show each Friday on C 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. And Kitchen Radio is all about local food, local cooking, and sometimes even food in other places like uh, tonight. Um, I'd like to welcome my two guests tonight, Nellie Reinhardt and uh, Kirsty Stewart. Nellie and Kirsty are both they're both living in Melbourne, but Nellie grew up in Alice Springs and in Yundamur. And in fact, I've known you, Nellie, since I think you were nine or ten. I always blame Nellie for why I ended up in Alice Springs because I visited your place when you were um, when I was first in Alice Springs in like April two thousand, and you were baking a chocolate cake. It just brought me back to being a child and baking cakes in the kitchen with my sisters, and I thought it's a good place to live. Do you remember baking cake? Marble cakes are a really big part of my early life. <laughs> Maybe it. Marble cakes are fun as a kid, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. I probably poisoned a lot of my friends, but um, yeah, they were definitely fun to make. <laughs> How about you, Kirsty? Were you a cake baker as a kid? I was. I was a huge fan of um, Betty Crocker. <laughs> oh, okay. And, uh, okay. Getting mum to pick out a new <laughs> packet cake recipe every week for me to make a huge mess in the kitchen with. <laughs> what fun. Well, I've got Nellie on the show and Kirsty, you'll soon discover, but um, whenever I go to Melbourne, I always check in with Nellie and I say sort of, where are the good places to eat? You know, what's a good place to have coffee? You know, what's good and cheap? And then I, I'd always felt that it, next time Nellie visited uh, Alice Springs, I'd like to do a radio show with, with you, Nellie. <laughs> and, and we were sitting there talking about, what could we do a radio show on? We could do it maybe on ramen, a little bit boring, uh, bread, you you know, that's been around for ages. And while I was talking to Nellie and Kirsty was nearby, um, they were both hoeing into two steaks. And I knew something something felt amiss. I couldn't quite work, it, <laughs> work out what it was. And then you turn around and said, oh, this is what we're all eating. And it was steak. Yep. Of yep. course. <laughs> so tonight's radio show is on steak, um, the eating of uh, not just steak, but I suppose the eating of, of meat, how to cook it, possibly some of the ethical considerations about choosing to to eat meat. So what were you eating that night, Kirsty? What kind of steak was that? That was a big scotch fillet, actually, oh, okay. from Milner. Wow. And yeah. how did you cook it? Um, I had it in a... Was it medium rare, rare? Yeah, it was a medium rare. Um, pretty simple, bit of ghee in the pan. Yeah. Oh, ghee. Yeah, That's ghee good. and a lot of salt. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how about you, Nellie? Did you um, have a different cut or Yeah, the same I had cut? a scotch fillet and I had let it sit for a bit and had salted it. Yeah, and then fried it in a pan lightly on both sides. I kind of like mine medium rare. Yeah, and in oil, olive oil. Right. Yeah. And you, I like the way you were both... Butter cooking yeah. your individual steaks yeah. as well. We had two very different steaks, actually. They were both, I think, the same cut, but yeah. two yeah. very different methods. Mm. Um, and do you like what do you like about steak, Kirsty? I just think it's the most delicious <laughs> food that you can find. And it's what do you think about the steaks you can buy in Alice Springs? Well, I was actually so... Nellie got me really excited mm. to go down to Milner, and I was not disappointed. Um, <laughs> I think we spent about 20 minutes in there on our first trip. Um getting lots of different types of things to try and the yeah getting lots of help from all the staff in there yeah actually I've, i did an interview with bradley there today and he's he's got a little like a two minute sort of instruction on how to how to cook meat yeah um, and then a, a longer interview so we'll cut to that later on 
cool. And do you do you just generally cook steak at home, or is there something else you do with steak when you're in Melbourne? Um, I I personally usually buy it out. Um, well, we all we go to a steak night on Mondays at the Builders Arms. Which tell is us really about good. the steak night at the Builders Arms. Wh- uh, where's that in Fitzroy? Yeah, or? Fitzroy and Gertrude Street. Yeah. I guess it's our our local for yeah. the <laughs> girls' night. Yeah, okay. we have a little girls' night there. <laughs> Eat some red meat and have a bit of a gossip. Yeah. What cut of steak are they? Do you cho- can you choose I your cut? Don't it rotates. Yeah. So they'll they'll do a different special every Monday, um, but it's always usually the same. They've got the same um, sauces to choose from. Mm. I like to get the the butter bernays. Yeah, mm-hmm. the butter bernays is definitely really the best. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought the gravy was a little too peppery the last time. It's very I got peppery it. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and are they serving them with fries? Yeah, you get. I don't know what they're called. Shoestring fries. Uh-huh. Mm. And, uh, Cos lettuce. Cos lettuce. Yeah. With this amazing dressing. But it's like quite buttery and creamy. Yeah, it's very yeah. simple but extremely mm. effective. Wow. And they're very popular, the steak knives. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who worked in the kitchen there actually and he said it was like his first week there and he'd done the whole week and then had to do Monday. Mm-hmm. And he said it was unbelievable. They yeah. served like 400 steaks yeah. in one night. And on a regular night, they'd maybe do 10. Wow, that's mm. great. So, yeah. yeah, the Mondays really go off. It's pretty cheap. It's like $19. They're good quality. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, the same people as Cutler & Co and um, Super Normal. So and uh, Meatsmith as and well. And Meatsmith, yeah. Yeah, I can remember going down Meat, uh, Smith Street a couple of years ago and I think it was Meatsmith and there's mm. this shop and it's kind of had a piece of marbled meat like on a pedestal with a glass mm. sort of display around it and I was like, oh, my God, this yeah, is very amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was like $30 a steak or something ridiculous like mm. that. But um, obviously, you know, there's a market there for, for that sort of high quality meat as well yeah i always wanted to try one of those 50 dollar yeah. steaks that you see at those fancy places yeah how did you both learn how to cook steak did you have to sort of go and watch youtube videos and or did your parents teach My you dad actually he owned a pub okay he cooked a lot of steaks and he i remember one day him taking me through all the different cuts and okay. showing me what to do and schooling me on how to cook a good steak yeah and yeah my memory of, uh, I, yeah, I guess the first most vivid memory I had of eating steak was when I was in like year 11, actually, and I brought my boyfriend home to meet my parents who we already knew, but my dad cooked steaks and he cooked them so rare that the plate was just like <laughs> Blue, blood. I think it's called blue. It was just, the whole plate was blood. <laughs> it was just like a bloody mess and I was absolutely mortified, but didn't stop me from eating it i guess no no but, um, did it did he eat it yeah yeah, yeah. we all ate the <laughs> was, i was just very embarrassed but i think my old housemate jackson actually taught me how to cook the best steak and he spent many hours um on youtube watching okay. videos yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, my parents always overcooked steak. I grew up with completely well done steak or like really sort of like hammered out steak and it was like marinated and cooked and it was only actually I think living in Melbourne um, and, and actually living with my partner and he actually showed me that that's actually not the way to eat steak and introduced me to a whole new world of mm. you know rare steak and medium rare steak. I had a chat to Bradley today and I asked him for his advice on, on how to cook steak. So it's just a little interview but we might just have a little cut to um, Bradley and hear what he says about eating steak, I mean cooking steak. <laughs> Can you tell me how to cook a steak? Okay, let's go back to fish. Okay, to cook a fish, 
uh, like snapper, flathead, or a harder fish like that, you cook to a maximum of two minutes per centimeter thick on each side. If it's a softer fish, like your salmon, or your tuna, swordfish, it's only one and a half minutes per centimeter thick on each side in a sizzling pan. That applies to steak as well. So if you like a, uh, just a medium rare steak, go for a minute and a half per centimeter thick on each side. So if steak is say uh, three centimeters thick, and you like it medium rare, okay, so that's uh, three times one and a half, uh, four and a half minutes on each side. Sizzling hot pan, make sure you season it with coarse salt, don't use fine salt. Uh, fine salt will make it salty. Coarse salt puts a nice crust on the outside. So if you do it that way in a sizzling hot pan, go to that rule, uh, one and a half to two minutes per centimeter thick, it depends how well you'd like it done. And uh, do it that way and uh, bob your uncle. Um, and do you insist, or when you do, you think it's important to have your meat at room temperature when you cook? Oh, definitely. If you can bring up room temperature, which in Alice Springs is bloody hot. <laughs> no, just but it doesn't take long, does it? <laughs> no. Um, but just bring up, you know, ten minutes out of the fridge, uh, depending on the thickness. Steak is a nice thick steak, or well, half an hour. And uh, it also, uh, when you finish cooking it. Um, what I do is chuck a bit of foil over, just a, a sheet of foil and a tea towel over the plate. Just let it sit there for a couple of minutes. Let it rest. Let the chance for the, the moisture that's been forced in the middle of the steak to come back and fill the whole steak up rather than when you cut it, it just bleeds everywhere. Now what if you like a rare steak? Rare steak? Um, okay, so when I cook steak, I just go by feel. I just give it a little tap. Uh, okay, I just feel what kind of doneness it is. But I'm cooking steak all the mm. time. Um, <clears throat> Have you heard about so the, the finger test? I was going to tell it, but <laughs> yes, that is actually a good one. So what you do is you apply your um, index finger to your thumb, just gently, and on the heel of your thumb, against the uh, the meaty part, don't hold the finger tight, just just hold them together. So if you touch that, that's uh, rare. So it goes the next finger, so that's medium. Let's go next finger. That's well done. And your little pinky finger, that means you've ruined the steak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And how do you like your steak? My steak, I like my medium rare. Okay. Thanks very much, brother. Cheers. I had no idea about that test, did you? I am. Um, you guys do? Yeah, you yeah. told me last night, but before that I had no idea that that was how you yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah, some some chef taught me that when I was working. Yeah, it's great. In the kitchen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, and that thing about room temperature as well, I, you know, I had steak last night and we didn't have it at room temperature and we started cooking it. And I reckon you could tell, like, it just was a little bit tougher than mm. it otherwise mm. would have been. Definitely. Yeah. So what else are you eating in Melbourne around sort of like for around the theme of steak? There's something else meat-wise, isn't it, that, that you oh, really, yeah. both of you a are Our friendship really into. group yeah. are very big on fur um, and we, we eat it probably... At least <laughs> once a week. Well, I reckon I go for <laughs> some, depending, depending on the week. 
Yeah. So I described. I've got friends who <laughs> run it like every single day of the week. I could I could eat it that much. I think because yeah. it's so it's so simple. I think that's what's really lovely about mm. it. Yeah. And when you're sick, it's just like the best thing in the world because there's so much chili in it. Yeah. So for the, maybe there's some listeners out there that maybe don't even know what pho is. Do you want to describe what it is, Nelly or Kirsty? Um, well, I I mean it's a, a Vietnamese broth and it has uh, thinly sliced beef. Um, I actually don't know what the cut is. I think I'm it, not sure what cut it is. It's got no fat on it. It's yeah. A, yeah. It's a lean, thin slice of raw. Mm. beef that cooks and in very the soup as tender because it. yeah. it's got to be really tender in order to just mm-hmm. you know s- cook you yeah know, and yeah. i didn't i didn't know this but you said yesterday that the broth is like just replenished like it does yeah, it's, it's like it's a, a never-ending broth that they just keep topping up yeah. and it has um star anise in it and yeah uh, and is it i always thought it was five spice but maybe no. i'm wrong star anise and what's the bark the oh the cassia bark, cassia bark which think. is often a replacement for cinnamon but here yeah, it's actually right. used okay. yeah yeah and then on the side you get bean shoots and thai basil and um slice of lemon slice of lemon some fresh chili pickled onion um at some places at our favorite joint definitely pickled onion you don't get it everywhere if they don't serve you pickled onion, you're <laughs> in the wrong no place. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what makes uh, a good faux place a good faux place? If uh, you can really taste the bone broth. Mm. Some places it's, it's a bit watery, it's not as deep of a flavour, but you can really tell when they've put a lot of effort into yeah. that broth. And the decor and the TVs. Yeah, that's a very particular look to a faux restaurant. Yeah, I, I did have some in Alice Springs. I was horrified and actually had used corned beef oh. instead of the meat. Oh, no. Yeah, I was, corned uh, beef? I know. That kind of sounds delicious. No, I wasn't. It was just not what I wanted. Like you know, span. I wanted the authentic. No, no, it was corned beef. It wasn't spam. Yeah. Well, traditionally, I think in the faux, most of the locals will have it with tripe and okay, yeah. all sorts of different things that sometimes if you accidentally order, the foe with everything you'll get a lot of things in your bowl that you yeah, might I g- never have oh, I guess, I guess the sliced beef is definitely probably the wide option yeah <laughs> and your favorite place is in Footscray yeah can you divulge it or uh, are you yeah. okay yeah it's pretty good it's apparently one of the oldest yeah it's just solid yeah, I, yeah. so reliable every time I sip that broth the first spoonful I'm blown away you're in heaven yep. mm. yeah instantly and have you ever tried to make it yourself Oh. One of the things I tried to do when I first sort of moved to Central Australia was to try and cook those things that I really craved, like uh, mm-hmm. Spanakopita from Smith Street and the um, mm. the cheese pies from Sydney Road. But I've actually never never tried pho. But it's because I'm worried that that broth is so special and, and such a like an intense but sort of also sort of a, a mild flavour as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, a contradiction. I know. Too, you don't but know, but you don't want it too intense. I know because I've had. There's some places on in Footscray that do do ones that are way more spicy, but sometimes you kind of like it a bit more, um, not like spicy, mild. but like more like, yeah. It's got a, a depth more to neutral, it, hasn't it? I guess. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's not intense. It's yeah. probably just a depth to the mm. flavour that you're after. I think we should look it up and give it a go. Yeah. Because we've actually been making quite a lot of bone broth. Oh mm. my God, that's so exciting. Tell me about bone broth. Yeah. Um, the $5 Botox. <laughs> yeah, we're all obsessed with bone broth. Yeah. Um, what, what is bone broth? So is it, a, is it a food? Is it a soup? Is it a stock? Or is it all those things? I think it's all of those yeah. things, I think. Mm, everything. Mm. I think it just depends on who you are and what you're using it for, really. Yeah. 
Like, um, so do you, do you eat it for like for nutritional reasons or actually because you like either of you like the flavor of it? I like the flavor. It tastes I, yeah. great. It's good. In, it's a good um, alternative to stock, mm-hmm. and I use it in a lot of cooking, and it just makes you feel so good. Like you mm. have a cup of it and you feel so whole. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a really um, feels very nourishing. We've got friends in Melbourne that absolutely swear by it and have it every morning. Yeah, 250 mils every morning. <laughs> and bone, bone broth. broth. Yeah. And I suppose it's got low calories as well. Yeah, yeah but I think, I think yeah. We were but doing some research on it last night and, like, you know, I think it's been a bit debunked in, the, in Western kind of culture and science saying that it doesn't actually serve... Um, serve what it's apparently meant to do in terms of its collagen yeah like the collagen levels aren't as high as they actually are and and once it turns into amino acids in your body it kind of gets transferred to all these different parts so it's not really focusing on one specific point but it does have nutritional yeah but then we it was quite interesting We we were doing a lot of research on it and we kind of found that there was a lot of debunking but there was also a whole other side to it um it's used a lot in traditional Chinese culture. Okay. They've, they use it for a whole bunch of different things and we found all these websites kind of talking about that and we thought it was just quite interesting how yeah. Western culture likes to just, well, you can't absorb the collagen like that so this is mm. useless. Yeah. But I guess it's been used for a long time. Yeah. By but that's been how it's been marketed, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So if, if that sort of is, is proved to be false, well, then they've got to come up with another yeah, marketing yeah. strategy. Apart from just saying, look, this, this uh, you know, this food just tastes really good mm. and it's good for you. And um, I th- Yeah, I think the main thing for, well, for that I read, like in terms of Chinese medicine, was that it was usually focusing on the digestive tract. And I think that's something that I know my friends use it for. It's um, for girl problems and okay. also like it's quite soothing. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm. So you've got some there. Can you tell me how you made it? Yeah, we went down to Milner a couple <laughs> of days ago <laughs> and I said, I want to make some bone broth and they got me this huge, beautiful bone, cut it up into easily manageable pieces. And what did we do? We so it was a beef beef bone. Yeah, it was a yeah. beef. I think it was part of the spine. Yeah. Oh no, that was the first one. wasn't part of the spine. The second one we did was part yeah. of the spine. Maybe the second one was better. Yeah. That's the one we've got here today. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and we roasted the roasted the bones just to give it a bit more flavour. Just with oil, or just just in its own juices. It produces okay. its own kind of oil, which you toss it in okay. every every now and then in a hot oven. A you yeah, know, in, a, a in, a, in a pretty hot oven. Okay. Because mm. you're not doing it for long. You just want it to brown a little bit because it just gives it a deeper flavour. Mm-hmm. Our friends just put them in raw and they don't like the taste of it. They <laughs> hold their nose and drink it. That's oh, okay. how much yeah. they mm. want right. it. But we yeah, we put um, onion, garlic, some carrot. leek, carrot. Celery. Celery, some lots of peppercorns. Bay leaf. Bay leaves. Yeah. And boiled it with a bit of vinegar as well the vinegar extracts the it helps break it down more so you get like a really gelatinous mm-hmm. broth at the end of it um and yeah it took about 20 hours on the stove oh wow mm. yeah but it smells delicious and tastes delicious and yeah. how big a pot did you use it wasn't too big yeah. the first one we did much bigger but it didn't work as well second one we kind of yeah, yeah. Condensed it condensed a bit, it. and the broth we have is really quite concentrated. Yeah, wow, and very so. gelatinous. 
I mm. really, really, really want to taste. Can I have a taste? Yeah, we've brought salt as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll need a bit of salt. Um, you don't have it cold and... No, we've heated it up and popped it in a thermos. Oh, okay. You guys when it's so cold, nice. it's actually completely solid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's a, oh my gosh, this is beautiful little Definitely add thermos. some salt. I think you... Yeah. How are you having it at the moment? Are you just e- eating it as a snack? I have it plain, yeah. I, I eat it just as a snack. I oh. actually do a little faux thing with it. Now I'm thinking, why haven't we put more spices in there yeah. and made a faux broth? I like to put a bit of rice noodles Ooh. and some fresh coriander. Mm. Like it looks uh, nice and rich. It's got a really rich brown yeah, it's colour. It's very dark. With a little bit of fat on the top and yeah. you haven't added no, any fat added at all. Mm. <laughs> mm. It's nice. It needs salt. It yeah. needs salt, definitely. We didn't add any salt when we cooked it. But, um, yeah. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> no <laughs> salt, but it's got a level of saltiness to it. Yeah. Before mm. I add it. I copious quantities <laughs> of salt right now. I think um, mm. the carrot and celery help yeah. with salt levels. Possibly. Oh, no, I didn't add too much. I can actually taste the vegetables in that. Like yeah, it's definitely. It's so clean. Mm. But it's making me want to drink it. Do you drink it sometimes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, wow. That's great. It's so hearty. Yeah. 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 Um, you don't find eating or drinking that in summer when it's like really hot? That's the best be time to, to, drink, uh, to drink it, I reckon. Mm. Or the best time to eat any kind of noodle soup. Mm. It's yeah. my favourite time. We always get a foe on a hot day. Yeah. And you oh, just really? You yeah. put chilli in it, I suppose, and that sort of mm-hmm. really cools I used to down. get this other amazing broth that was a Korean one, and I actually can't remember for the life of me what it was called, but it was something that I got in Seoul when I was there, um, and it was a it's a cold iced beef broth, oh. and it has, like, pickles on the bottom and these noodles that are called, like, oh. thousand-year noodles, and you get scissors and you cut the noodles as you go. Wow, um, and what does the broth then – are the noodles hot? and they No, everything's of, cold, okay. and you have a cold egg as well. Which oh, is part of it. Yeah, it's um, not appealing to me at all. It is the most delicious thing in the world. I mean, because what I find <laughs> is that un- unless things are like room temperature and hot, it's actually quite hard to taste mm. them. Yeah. No. No. This this has so much flavour. Like we did it's, that with the strawberries last week. Like the cold strawberry compared to like the room temperature strawberry was totally different. Like you couldn't taste mm, it. True. But so what what flavours are you tasting when you have that dish? Um. From memory, it's quite sweet. I actually think they probably put a bit of sugar in it. Um, and because there's like a, I don't know, there's some kind of radish pickle at the bottom. So there's that um, kind of a similar pickle to, or like flavor to kimchi, I guess. Okay. So, but not as, not as intense. It's quite mild at the bottom. And you can add kimchi on top as well. Oh, I mean, I would try it. I'll always try something. And there's little ice once. blocks in it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, um, I'm surprised cold soups aren't a thing in Australia. Yeah, how you'd hot think it so, is. wouldn't you? Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Marina Strocky was talking mm. about having cold borscht a few weeks ago, mm. and I actually made a cold uh, strawberry soup last week. So. Cold? Oh my goodness! I know it was beautiful. Savory? No, it was sweet. But you could definitely have it as like a palate cleanser between. Mm. Um, between meals or between courses just because it just had like yogurt and strawberries and oranges. What's that yogurt cucumber soup as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going, we're, we're going, going off, off. We're yeah, going off track. track. I did another interview with Rodney, Rodney, sorry, with Bradley, um, just about Milner Meats because I was interested to know, you know, if you go there, there is a large quantity of meat, isn't there? And his, they're kind of catering for a lot of different demographics here in Alice Springs. Mm. Particularly, did you see that 
um, that NT rib steak. Do you see? It was like about. I actually got one this morning. Oh, did you really? Have I you did. eaten it yet? I asked them to slice it in half because it's a little bit too thick for me. It's about four centimeters yeah. thick. Yeah. Um, so I got them to halve it. Okay. Me. And it was still a massive piece of steak. Yeah. But it was delicious. Oh, really? It was okay. really, yeah, really I, delicious. I would just find it really um, overwhelming. That's all. Like when I saw that yeah. big steak, steak, I was like, who would buy this? And now I know who would buy it, Kirsty. It's you. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, Bradley just talked to me um, a little bit about sort of the different sort of meat they've got and the different demographics that they're um, working with, I suppose, here in, in Alice Springs. So we might just have a listen to... Bradley from Milner Meats. Lots of other products, but can you tell me what's most popular at the moment? Well, the trend in uh, uh, meat purchasing and stuff has changed so much over, say, the last 20 years. Um, and today, people are looking for more of the uh, pan-ready stuff, which is good for us because it's value-added. There's a lot more work for us though, but we're always uh, trying to find new recipes to put out for customers. You see customers come in every day and they'll be looking around to see what's new in the cabinet, uh, like beef wellingtons, uh, made with a mushroom mousse wrapped about around beef fillet and a puff pastry, or just even the fish, like we've got fish that have got lemon and, and uh, soy and all that marinated into the fish, whole fish and stuff like that, so just take it home and bake it. It's just make it easier for the customers. So you're finding you sell a lot more of those products than say just a, a straight fish or um, say a beef fillet? It's, it's growing fast and they want to experiment. It's been great with this uh, influx of all of these different nationalities coming to Australia, all these uh, South Africans and you got the Indians and all the rest of it. So all of a sudden uh, the things that we have in our cabinet with all their introduced recipes and stuff like that it's just expanded it's it's amazing what we have got mexican meatballs in there and we got this and we got that and uh, yeah it's quite interesting now and the consumer's got so much more choice yeah i'd like to sort of go through with you the range of products you sell for different demographics because i think that's what makes milner meats really interesting is that you actually cater for a really broad section of the community and in fact the Alice Springs community is so diverse really so I wonder if I could go through and, and just ask you about what, what different demographics are sort of buying when they come into Milner if we can make generalizations like yeah, that yeah yeah so say what are the Americans buying because there's a lot of Americans here from out at the base what, what do they come in and tend to buy well the Americans do like, like their uh, scotch fillet and their rump and, uh, and things like that they're more to the basic kind of uh, meat cuts, which of course we have. It comes off the Milner Meats farm down at Victor Harbour, at the beef and the lamb. And uh, so we know actually what goes into it, where it comes from. And uh, yeah, so that's all good. What about those great big, like you've got, I think they're called NT ribs. We don't really specialise in one thing for like for the American market or yeah. anything like that, with the exception of maybe goat. But the Americans, they just like their, their, their steak, they just, and they do enjoy their steak, and it's, it's good stuff. Great. And sometimes we even have Wagyu, and uh, Wagyu Scotch, or Wagyu yep. Porterhouse, and they hammer that, they do like their Wagyu. They don't literally hammer it, they just no, buy a lot of it. you don't have to hammer it, it's tender enough. <laughs> now what about Aboriginal people, what are they coming in and buying? Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, like years ago, uh, many years ago, they'd just come in and get mixed meat, which is beef, beef trim and, and, and such, or uh, just um, uh, rib bone and flank. Um, but now they're going more for the chops 
um, Y bone, which is the uh, like a shoulder chop off the beef, and they're actually getting more into um, normal cuts and uh, moving away from the the old style what like they used to get so much. They still we still have the people come in and buy the and the flank and uh, the rib bone. Well, you can't knock rib bone. Mm. You cook it properly. It's beautiful stuff. And uh, but yeah, they they tend to move just a little bit away from it, they're, but they're still pretty true that I'm yeah. purchasing. Um, what about kangaroo tails? Do you sell kangaroo tails here? Yeah, we have kangaroo tails. Um, we don't sell very many of them. Um, we've got two shops here in Alice Springs, of course, and uh, the north side actually do all the catering for the, for the camps, uh, for the camps, yeah. town camps. And also uh, communities out bush and stuff like that. And they um, they sell kangaroo tails heaps of them uh, over there. Where uh, this shop, we might sell two or three a day. Okay, mm. yeah. What about what what are families buying when you see sort of mum and dad come in, a couple of kids? So you know, what are families buying a lot of when they come in here? Um, well, they tend to go for like the things like the schnitzels, um, which go a long way. Um, sausages, of course, we've got a huge range of sausages now and uh, a lot of them are actually gluten-free and so they're going to actually come in and they can pick out different types and uh, they're actually good sausages but it's not like the old days like uh, throw a bit of tomato and a bit of tomato sauce and that'll do and no these are actually made with specific recipes now and they they taste like it they yeah a lot better what about women like me um, yeah, <laughs> uh, they come in and they, they actually it's amazing because they'll, they'll tend to like a, a really nice tender steak and uh, I'll introduce, I'll take them over to show where the eye fillet is, mm-hmm. where we keep the eye fillet in the little uh, packs there and uh, we just we cut a, two steaks off for you, you don't have to buy the whole thing, just take a couple of steaks off and you can take that home, cook it. I'll explain to them how to cook it, how long to cook it on each side, whether it's two and a half minutes or three minutes on each side. Um, how they like their steak cooked, and um, yeah, we help them out with all that. But um, um, what about like young people? Oh, snags, in? barbecue steak, marinated steak, and satays. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what about the uh, the Africans? We've got quite a big um, community here of, of people from Africa. What? Yeah, there's been a huge influx of um, South Africans and it? Indians in Dallas Springs, yeah. which is uh, good because they brought it their culture and their and their flavours of uh, and introduced me because I'm a real foodie but they've introduced me into different things and, and recipes and I'm trying different things but this amount of goats we used to sell years ago which is just a, a few chops and stuff like that and I don't know if you've tried to cook a goat chop on the barbecue because it's it's like hard as wood okay um, yeah. it's it's a slow cook job yeah. And uh, so for curries and like you do a four quarters of roast and you do it five hours and uh, when you finish cooking it, it's it's amazing. And the same with the curries, the, the goat has got so much more flavour. I, I prefer that more than lamb. Yeah, actually I do too. I find goat um, a, a nicer meat. It's, it's less strong, but you do have to cook it properly. Yeah, and uh, I had some goat chops the other day, and uh, but I changed the way I cooked it. I actually sous-vet it in a high temperature uh, in a water bath for uh, five hours and then I took them out of the, uh, the plastic bag and um, got there and seasoned it and cooked it up in a pan and they were amazing. Wow. And uh, But so you can have goat chops but you just got to work out a way to cook it. <laughs>
And who's buying the gold? Is it is it mainly people from South Africa and yes. um, India? India, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the main ones. The so goat is the um, uh, most eaten protein in the world. Okay. Um, now I noticed there's some things like maybe you weren't you used to sell, but you don't sell anymore. Um, and you've got new products on your shop, so I'm interested to know whether that's market driven, or you know whether it's because that's what people are buying, or because of availability. Like you used to have yabbies, yeah, and I haven't seen yabbies I think for quite a few years now. Um, we had them last year, near the beginning of last year, for a very short time. But um, Australia is such a narrow zone; it's, it's they're hard to get. Okay, because and because they, uh, we're in drought, so. The yeah. dams that haven't got enough water in to sustain a yabby That's right, farm. but three years ago, the yabbies, um, the River Murray was flowing very well and, and rivers down south and such. And yabbies were everywhere. They were cheap. They were, they were just great. But at the moment, yeah, you'd be pushing a fine one. Um, so what do you think? Do you think it's, it's more that, um, you know, is it driven by the market or is it driven by availability? Um, availability and uh, a little bit by the market. This market's always constantly changing. Um, I remember when I first started 30 years ago, um, I used to have beef kidney and blade steak and liver in the cabinet. <laughs> if we had that today, we'd just sit there all day. People would actually want value-added stuff or just even just a nice... Uh, lamb chop or loin chop or lamb cutlet and uh, yeah just a nice steak. Are you seeing any of that sort of nice detail movement have any impact here? Is anybody coming in and asking for offal or pig's ears? Or oh we sell a huge amount of offal and um, and a lot of it is uh, influenced by uh, not just the South Africans and Indians um, but also by the Asians mm-hmm. and uh, things like we have uh, cow's feet and uh, like it wasn't very long ago I maybe even didn't know you could even buy cow's feet and uh, we slice them up in about two inch lengths and it is literally a, a, a the hoof and the head the feet and it's all been gone through certified cleaned and, and all the rest of it so it's fit for human consumption and uh, yeah we cut it up and they make their soups with it and the beef tendons tendons off the back of the heel like the Achilles tendon on the beef and uh, so yeah so it's amazing uh, what's available these days and we go through heaps of offal. That's interesting. Um, you said before that most of your, in fact your beef and your lamb comes from your, your own farm down in Gawler? Down near Victor Harbour, yep, okay. at Parawa. Okay, so there's no, is any meat butchered locally here? Uh, no, we have no abattoir in Alice Springs. They can, well it's Central Australian beef, it's, it's the best beef in the world. It is amazing stuff. But the real problem with it, it's only for a little short time, every several months, when we've had good rains and that, so there's good feed available. Um, other times of the year, um, it's it's not the best. Um, but when they do get um, some good beef in it, it's amazing stuff. But so where, we where, need a constant product, yeah. constant quality. And where does that matter? When the beef are you know, really good here, the cattle are really good um, take to eat, um, where do they get sent, do you know? Uh, the local growers and yeah. stuff like um, down south, I gather. Or, yeah, that's where they have. But they've got, yeah, they've got to travel quite a mm. long way to, mm. to that's be correct. slaughtered. We right? don't have the abattoirs up in uh, regularly open here. Yeah, so it's crazy, isn't it? Despite the fact that we're surrounded by cattle stations, almost all the beef in you know here and anywhere else is, um, you know, even if it's come from here, it's travelled and then come back again. Yeah, that's that's correct. At the moment. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, 
<laughs> I read that there's actually a really big difference between grass-fed beef and, say, grain-fed beef. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the grain-fed beef tends to be um, uh, a lot milder in taste. It doesn't have the stronger flavour. Um, but the grass-fed beef, yeah, that's where you get the real nice steaks from. And, yeah, definitely the grain grass-fed. And that's what we have down at Victor Harbour. Uh, near Victor Harbour at the Mirror Meats uh, Farm. We don't do grass-fed. Uh, sorry, so you don't do grain fed, fed yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's of course not just the beef but the, the lamb as well they're on the properties and uh, so yeah and the flavour is a lot more yeah better, a lot better are any of your say beef products or lamb products organically certified uh, no um, of course uh, some of our fish is um, but to get organic it's actually not very easy to find organic we get free range um, and like the, uh, the beef um, and the lamb we have down at the farm. They're living on the local um, grasses and, and that there. Um, but we do fertilise once a year um, because the amount of rainfall they do get down there at Parrow and Victor Harbour is it's, it's nearly, nearly a metre of rain per year. Um, but the thing is, we've switched the, uh, the fertilising over as well. We're doing a lot more uh, healthier stuff and we're actually using chook poo. Um, which is actually um, in loaded tankers with water and it's actually sprayed. And uh, so meanwhile that's a, a lot more friendly, user friendly than what we used to use with the, uh, all the chemicals. If we could just stick mainly to beef at the moment, what hmm? is your favourite cut? Oh, beef cheeks. <laughs> I love my beef cheeks. And uh, it sounds kind of gross, but it is actually a beautiful uh, textured meat. and. Um, I cheat, I'll do it in a pressure cooker. It only takes about 50 minutes to uh, cook it up. Do this some red wine and make a miracuire of onion and celery and carrots and the base and red wine and some garlic and chicken stock, colour beef cheeks, 50 minutes in the in the pressure cooker and then reduce the sauces all down and blend it and yeah, Bob's your uncle and it's, oh. it's, um, the texture of the meat is amazing. So you're like frying your onions, garlic, celery in a bit of olive oil first? Yes, brown yep. it up first. Brown it up and then are you slicing your beef cheeks? No, no, just, just keeping them whole? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. You've got to keep them whole and you cook them whole and when you serve it, you don't slice it to serve it. You okay. give the person as a chunk. Okay. Literally, you put your fork into it, it just falls apart. Wow. And when you serve it, what do you serve it with? Um, oh, mashed potato. Um, with uh, some parmesan cheese in it. Oh, sounds lovely. And it is, that's so quick and easy. And uh, I use that granite padano we sell here, and it's already grated, it's so easy. And uh, chuck that in. And I do buttered carrots. And uh, yeah, that comes up really nice. Sounds fantastic. Thanks very much, Bradley. No worries, okay. Wow, have you, either of you ever tried beef cheeks? No, I've always wanted to. Wow, tomorrow, yeah. Milner Meats. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go get some. <laughs> Now, Kirsty, you haven't always been a meat eater, have you? No, I haven't. How long have you been eating meat for? Um, look, I've been eating meat probably for the last eight years. Okay. But prior to that, I was vegetarian for about the same amount of time. I mean, a lot of people, not, not everybody who's a vegetarian or a vegan does it because they don't want to be eating animals. Yeah. There's a number of reasons, but for you, was I that think right? it was. It had a lot to do with that. I was a big animal lover. They were a big part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. We also had a very detached relationship to meat. Um, we didn't have much money, so it was mostly sausages, um, poloni. Um, <laughs> poloni? You know, yeah, I don't know what you call it in Alice, um, luncheon meat. 
um, okay. things like that. And I was I got quite disgusted by it, yeah. really. So yeah, that was the main reason I stopped eating it. And yeah, I I wish I didn't, to be yeah. honest. Looking back. And and um, why did you suddenly decide to start eating meat after eight years? I craved it the entire time, but I felt I had this ethical um, barrier. I felt really guilty, and I. I also was a bit embarrassed because I'd made such a hoo-ha to... Oh, this is when you were a, Yeah, a when I vegetarian. was a vegetarian, I was very loud and proud about it. But now I'm a bit of a loud and proud meat eater, so it's <laughs> taken quite a turn. But I do think the ethics are an important thing to think about, very important. And I've put a lot of effort into doing a lot of research and a lot of soul searching as well and finding what I'm comfortable with and sure. yeah. and, and you're comfortable with the fact that you're eating an animal yeah I am I'm I I think that it's it's a very natural and human thing to do um, and how about you Nelly have you ever been a vegan or a vegetarian no never <laughs> <laughs> I not that I mean I, I I probably don't eat meat as much as Kirsty does but I've never said that I'm one thing or the other. Yeah. I, I'm kind of maybe smack bang in the middle. And how do you feel about sort of just the the ethical issue of eating, uh, um, you know, another sentient being? Yeah, I guess um, you, you mentioned that I grew up out bush for a while. I spent, yeah, when, as a kid, I spent my early years out bush. So I was pretty desensitised to killing animals and watching animals being killed and like eating them and watching them being gutted and you know going out hunting with the old ladies and getting you know goanna and stuff so I, I've never really had a problem with that side of it uh-huh. just because I, I grew up around it. Um, maybe when I moved to the city and stopped eating as much meat as I probably did in the territory mm-hmm. I was a little more kind of you know removed from it but I've always worked in kitchens and I've always had a relationship with meat through that and I've always worked in kitchens that source their meat ethically. So mm-hmm. like Kirsty, I'm, I'm, I like to do the research and I, yeah. I understand what I'm doing. And yeah, something that came up for both of us last night was that I think the whole agriculture industry, including meat, including wheat and vegetables is, is quite, it's not very transparent in mm-hmm. Australia. And it's really hard to kind of form any kind of like educated opinion because all of it's quite, I don't know, it is hard to get information i think about the food you're eating i mean because there is a lot of money associated with you know the the whole um food industry yeah Yeah, totally yeah absolutely and if you you go to the supermarket you've generally got no idea where your your meat is coming from sometimes you Mm. do but um at at least now i know at milner i know now where the the lamb and Mm -hmm. the um the beef is coming Mm -hmm. from but before i did that interview i had i had no idea i really had no yeah, idea it's a really big problem in australia how far meat travels to yeah. be slaughtered um and uh abattoirs are reducing i think like there aren't as many and they're kind of centralizing and there's a big difference between abattoirs that um slaughter for export and abattoirs that um slaughter for domestic mm-hmm. um production so abattoirs for export are usually well regulated or more regulated mm-hmm. and they have a vet on site when the animals are killed whereas domestic slaughtering is um, regulated by state governments and and territories and maybe isn't as audited as much as it well, should be. Well I had no idea you'd always think it was would be the opposite because there's so much opposition mm. like to I suppose at least the live animal trade but yeah yeah well more I'm, about I, export. Yeah meat totally yeah. mm. um but you know i think they both have their downfalls but yeah. i think there is a real problem at the moment with not being able to like concentrate 
where you grow something and then where you kill it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, I think that is something that you, you really have to yeah. consider. Yeah, and it is good to think through all those sort of variables, like even like, you know, if you wanted to sort of buy a whole or half a beast, you know, then you're still going to have to freeze it for a long period yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of more and more people actually like buying an animal amongst themselves mm-hmm. and uh, slaughtering it and sharing it amongst a large group yeah. of people. Do you know anybody, say, in Melbourne doing this? Um, I have heard about it mm-hmm. um, through yeah. the meat community that mm-hmm. I have delved in a little bit there's a lot of people do organize things like that yeah sharing uh, maybe between a couple of families they'll buy a whole cow together and yeah. split it up yeah. between them I think that's an interesting way to do it yeah it is and uh, my understanding I could be wrong and I'm just you know someone needs to go and research this but my understanding is that if you are killing the animal yourself it's okay to yes. eat it like you don't have to we take it we looked at the rules yesterday mm, it's abattoir? actually quite a weird you're not allowed to take it off your property so you can eat it you can feed it to people but yeah. it, you can't take it to your friend's house and cook it up apparently oh really so yeah. it all has to be kept um on the yeah on the, is it yeah. is this across australia or yeah, in the yeah. nt across australia yeah because there used to be a lot more abattoirs like in all the cattle stations mm-hmm. like you used to be i remember when i lived in yindamu you used to be able to go up to one of the cattle stations mm. and actually buy like meat from yeah right yeah from yeah. the cellar door, so to speak. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then there was a change and you couldn't do that it, anymore. It's starting to happen again in uh, Victoria. There's uh, Warrielder Beef, which is like 55 kilometres north of Melbourne. And they, I'm pretty sure, invite people to come to their farm and see the farm and, and they go through the whole method and stuff. But I, they also don't, they don't put their cattle into like holding yards before they slaughter them. So it's grass fed mm-hmm. and then... Killed in the field. Yeah, killed in the field or sent straight back to... How, how are they killing the... I don't actually know cow. that up in yeah. general or... Well, yeah, did they talk to you about how... how I actually killed? haven't done done the um, tour, but um, okay. I know that I've, a few of my bosses have and they yeah. go up there and they buy that meat. But, um, yeah. It's, also, it's, it's probably one of the best sources of beef you can get in Victoria if you want to eat ethically. Yeah. Um, I can remember sort of... I, I know Aboriginal people do, you know, maybe unofficially still, you know, will kill a bullock mm-hmm. and share it amongst mm. families. And, and I have been given really, really fresh meat out at Yundamu that's so fresh it's still warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to say I didn't like it. Mm. And I think it's because it's not aged because, in fact, most of the meat we, we get, you know, the really good sort of beef has, has been aged quite some time. Mm. Um, have you ever had either of you had really really fresh meat? I've never had it really fresh, but I do know that how delicious a really nice aged, aged piece of yes. steak is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I don't think I've had it. I've had pig fresh, but like nothing else probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was pig. someone here last year who who had a performance at uh, Watch This Space where he was killing chickens and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plucking them and cooking them, making deep fried chicken. And I got there just as the chicken had been killed because I, I felt mm. it was important, actually. Yes. I felt I need to see an animal being killed because I yeah. I don't eat a lot I of meat. I think it's important but for people to, yeah. totally. to be more aware of the process yeah. and come to terms with it on a more of a deeper level. Yeah. Especially if you're eating meat. There was, there's a few artists that have done that. There's a famous DJ, there's a real club DJ from the 90s turned experimental artist and he did a piece on... Um, the slaughtering of a pig and then cooking it on stage and yep. eating it but then there were all these instruments that he'd built and set up mm. it was shown at um the well, instruments Melbourne. to kill or no instruments that it was like this sound kind of line thing that took it was like a i don't even know how to explain it yeah okay it just picked up different noises yeah. but like it was this whole process of um this animal 
being picked and then being killed and then being yeah. served at a dinner party and then yeah. the performance side of it. Um, yeah, it was at the recital centre. It was actually okay. pretty interesting. Did you go? Yeah, I oh. caught the last bit of it. I was okay. actually working, so I was kind of dipping in and out. But, yeah, um, yeah it's, a, it's something that you definitely have to really consider and confront. Yeah. Yeah, and I do I wonder if I had, you know, like a, a cow in my backyard and I fed it and I looked mm. after it, I, I probably would not be able to eat it. I would not be able to kill it mm. and eat it, you know. So, you know, maybe if you had a thing where you were swapping cows with other friends, but, you know, maybe that's cheating as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I probably feel less so about chickens. I think I, I'd be happy to. I'd be yeah, okay about eating a chicken. chicken. Yeah, <laughs> poor chickens. <yeah. laughs> well, apparently they're the most ethical eat, meat to eat. Oh, for really? Em- for environmental purposes, yeah, they are. I had no idea. Mm. Poor chickens. But, you know, like one chicken, you know, it's just, it's just going to feed a couple of people, whereas, in fact, one cow feeds many, many people. Yeah. 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 And we did remember, and there's also the issue, sorry, it's, we're just going to have to finish off soon, but the methane gas issue that we talked about yesterday, that's one of the big criticisms of the beef it is, industry. And I've actually been doing a lot of research on this, and I encourage other people to go and have a look at the mm. statistics of it. Um, there's a lot of misinformation spread around from some studies that happened quite a while ago and I think that it is an issue but there's a lot of information out there that people don't know about. So what did you find out? Well, actually, it, it was I was listening to a climate scientist talk about it um, for a few hours today about um, the process of methane yep. and the role it plays in climate change. Um, it's quite scientific. Did you I read that uh, article about seaweed being added to the the diet of cows actually significantly reduces well, the amount of methane. Well, it's interesting. As well. Grain-fed cows don't produce the same methane. Methane is from the roughage okay. that they eat. Um, so grass-fed cows, and because they take a lot longer to reach maturity, about double the time, grass-fed cows actually use produce much more methane oh, than, than grain-finished cows, which <laughs> I thought was interesting. Inter- yeah, I know. It just doesn't yeah. head in after a while. I know. That's I think, too I think much it also goes down to moderation as well and how much you're farming and how many cows you have on your, your property yeah. and stuff like that. So, like, small farms that are grass-feeding grass feeding cows, like, mm-hmm. is a different story to large-scale um, agricultural, like, yeah. industry yeah, totally. farming. So, it, yeah, I think it is a, a moderation thing as well. Great. That's sort of like getting close to the end of tonight's show. I think I've actually gone over. Um, thank you, Kirsty. Thank you, Nelly. Uh, are you both having going home and having steak? I've already eaten my steak okay. for today. Uh, I haven't. Yeah. I've had pork. Maybe actually. I'll have bone broth for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually felt like I've had my dinner now. I've had bone broth. It's yeah. quite filling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's very filling. Surprisingly. I had to go home and eat a steak last night after we were talking. Mm. Because, yeah, if you talk too much about steak, I have to eat it. Yeah. I don't eat much steak, but every now and then I just completely crave a steak. And I mm-hmm. think I like that idea of like listening to your body. Yeah, totally. Uh, and if you wait till your body really needs meat, well, then mm-hmm. that's a good time to eat meat rather than just yeah. eating and it. And what an experience it is taking that first bite of a oh, delicious yes. steak. <laughs> Um, we're going to go out tonight with uh, the Smiths singing uh, Meat is Murder, just to be a little bit ironic. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for listening to Kitchen Radio. Please tune in next week. Um, and thanks, Kirsty. Thanks, Nelly. Thanks, Peter. You've been listening to Kitchen Radio on 8 C 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek.